Now, if you've undergone surgery in Australia in the last couple of decades, there's a very good chance you were sent home with a prescription for opioid pain relief. And when that prescription was filled, you were probably handed 20 to 25 tablets, which in most cases is a lot more than you were advised to take by your doctor. Medicine cabinets across Australia are filled with unused opioids, and that can lead to accidental addiction, and tragically, of course, overdose. Uh, This might sound like fear-mongering, but according to public health experts, opioids kill more Australians than any other drugs. So what can be done to prevent this problem turning into an epidemic, similar to the one seen in America? Dr Jennifer Schumann is the head of the Drug Intelligence Unit at the Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine, and she's just completed a research trip to the United States, Canada, Switzerland and Germany to find out what's worked overseas and what policies might be implemented here in Australia. Um, Welcome to Saturday Extra. Thank you for having me. Um, How big a problem is it here? Is the word crisis hyperbole or does it accurately reflect uh, the scale of the problem? Well, I guess the question that we've got to ask ourselves is, are we happy with opioids killing a 1,000 Australians every year? Um, These deaths really just represent the tip of the iceberg. There's another 150 hospitalisations every day, 14 emergency department presentations every day involving opioids. And you can, you know, imagine that ripple effect that these these um, overdoses and uh, morbidity and mortality have on the community. So it is a really big problem that can be addressed. I spent a lot of time covering the opioid crisis when I was a a correspondent in in America. I spent a lot of time talking to parents whose kids have been prescribed, say, a painkiller for a sports injury. Uh, They got addicted. They moved on to heroin, often because it was cheaper uh, than the prescription drugs. Then, uh, tragically, they overdosed. It's frightening to hear that that is a problem that that could be happening here. Is, Is that the sort of thing that's happening? That's right. Well, uh, working, um, looking at coronial deaths, we've seen that these sorts of um, patterns happen in, in a number of cases around Australia. But what's really scary to see, I think, is this trajectory that we're following that really mirrors the US trajectory to the opioid epidemic. So we've seen this increase in prescription opioid deaths. And then we've, this has been followed by a, a surge in heroin-related deaths in Australia. And this pattern really reflects the first two waves of that opioid epidemic in North America. That, that was followed by the synthetic opioids with the fentanyls. We haven't seen um, illicit fentanyl um, infiltrate Australia just quite yet, but um, given our proximity to illicit fentanyl manufacturers in Asia, um, given that it's very easily accessible off the dark web, and we have already seen major border seizures in Australia quite recently. Um, So it's a concern and something that um, we really need to stay ahead of. I've seen the effect of fentanyl in American communities. It is absolutely devastating. It's terrifying. It is. Um, You can trace the problem in the States, I think, to the over-prescription of opioids, especially in in the 1990s. Is that a problem here as well? It is. We have seen um, opioid prescribing quadruple over the past decade in Australia, and obviously this has been associated with an increase in addiction and overdose. Um, most of this, like you said, is post-surgical discharge of opioids. Um, we need to ensure that there's that balance that people who need opioids get them, but they should not be the first-line therapy for, for non-cancer chronic pain, especially in the absence of um, physical and other therapies. 
Um, it's a really relatively easy and effective starting point to reduce opioid supply in Australia and really cut off this problem. I think because they're prescription opioids, they're seen as being inherently safe, but this is what's driving our opioid overdose here in Australia, so it needs to be addressed. And what sort of demographics are we talking about here? I mean, in the States, I remember going into some of these hollowed-out communities, these post-industrial towns in the Rust Belt, often you'd see them just scattered with empty syringes. Often it became, to be honest, an indication of whether those communities would support Donald Trump in the 2016 election. Mm. The bigger this problem often, uh, the more support for him. Uh, But then you would go into prosperous suburbs and you'd hear similar stories from from parents who'd who'd lost their kids as well or lost lost loved ones. Um, I mean, what sort of of demographics is, is this affecting here in Australia? Well, that's the that's the worrying thing, I think, is it, it touches people from all different backgrounds, different ages, males and females. Um, I mean, it's a particular problem regionally. Um, a big part of that is because of the um, treatment gaps, um, really difficult accessing pain and addiction treatment. I mean, this is a problem in cities, but especially in regional towns. Um, but, you know, like you said, we, we see a lot of cases of young people that have been involved in an accident, a car accident or... Um, or broken bones, started on opioids for acute pain relief and then have ended up taking these many months later and that's when it's become a problem. So it's really impacting people from all walks of life um, throughout Australia um, and that's why it's such a a problem because it touches so many people. Now you've embarked on this uh, global search for answers really. You travelled to Germany to investigate the situation there. Uh, You found that although the country is the second largest consumer of opioids in in Europe, uh, the rates of dependence at overdose are are much lower uh, than in North America. Uh, What is Germany getting right? Yeah, that's right. It was really interesting, actually, because they do have these really high prescribing rates, even higher than Australia, but they just don't have the harms associated with opioid misuse that we've seen here in North America. So I think the the main thing that stood out to me in Germany is that it's much, much harder to get opioids there. So there really are a last resort for pain treatment rather than a first-line therapy, and they take a much more holistic approach to pain treatment. So they incorporate physical therapy um, and alternative treatments like herbal remedies. So most GPs in Germany are also trained in um, providing herbal remedies to patients. So that patient expectation, a lot of patients, a lot of people here in Australia expect to get opioids for pain and expect to get sort of longer term treatment of pain for um, chronic non-cancer pain. But um, in Germany, there's just not that expectation. They just do not, you know, they're happier with um, simple drugs like ibuprofen and paracetamol and um, they're just not seeking these much stronger opioids to to treat pain. Where has this expectation come from that you will get these these opioids? Oh, it's a it's a good question. <laughs> I think it's a, a cultural issue. Um, I think that you know this is something that we've seen in other countries as well, like um, France and Italy. It's a problem as well where people walk into a doctor's clinic and expect to walk out with a script, um, and especially with you know issues with um, sort of structural barriers to treatment, with um, short GP consultations here in Australia and other places. You know, it, understandably, it's very difficult for 
for um, for patients to be treated with pain conditions when they've got a short time to see their GP. There's often, you know, at least a year, two years maybe wait for um, access to pain treatment. And if you're in regional towns, then you know it's it's even more difficult. So it's a it's a structural issue um, in our in our health system as well as it being sort of an issue more at a local level as well. Now, Switzerland's an interesting case study. In the late 1980s and early 90s, it was the centre of the opioid crisis in Europe. Uh, It used to have a very punitive, criminal approach to to drug control. Uh, I understand that's changed. Could, Could you just tell us what they are doing? Because I think they have been having some good results there. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like you said, this needle park in Zurich, there were thousands of people who inject drugs gathered in these really large open drug scenes in the city centre. Um, This was associated with a huge spike in crime, in HIV and hepatitis infections and obviously overdose deaths. So, um, it was in the mid-90s, in 94, that they introduced the Four Pillars drug policy, which was seen at the time as being um, very controversial as well as quite progressive. But they focused on the four pillars being prevention, treatment, harm reduction and law enforcement. So um, perhaps the most controversial aspect of the harm reduction um, pillar was introducing the supervised drug consumption facility. So keeping in mind this is back in the mid-90s, so they've been doing it for a long time. Um, they introduced drug checking services so people knew that they could, you know, so that they could take their drugs to sites so that they knew what they were taking so that it could be tested. They introduced um, low-threshold social support in these um, local government social workers called the SITSURI, and they really expanded um, opioid agonist treatment for people with opioid use disorder. So they removed a lot of the treatment barriers, they removed the goal of abstinence for treatment, and they began prescribing heroin. So to people who, this small proportion of people who don't respond well to traditional um, opioid agonist treatment. And a big mindset shift uh, towards thinking of this as a a health problem rather than a criminal problem. In the time we've got left, just give us the pillars of a policy in Australia that could work. Uh, well, I think there's, um, you know, some relatively small and inexpensive but um, really highly effective strategies that we could implement here in the short term, like drug checking. Um, we can expand our existing approaches um, in in the context of, you know, supervised drug consumption facilities, offer heroin to those people who are um, treatment resistant to um, traditional forms of opioid agonist treatment. Um, and at a higher level, we need really need to expand our prevention and treatment programs and reduce those structural barriers to treatment. We have seen what happened in Switzerland after they introduced these policies and focused on addiction as, as a public health issue rather than a law enforcement issue. Um, you know, the drug market stabilised, overdose deaths decreased by over 60%, mm. infectious diseases decreased, drug-related crimes decreased by right. over 80%. So we really saw, they really saw a, a huge increase in public health and safety and, and that's what can happen if we look at it as a public health issue. Dr. Jennifer Schumann, thank you so much for giving us uh, your insights into that problem. Um, up next on Saturday Extra, the final episode of the zeitgeist drama, Succession. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.